Good morning, everyone. This is Firestone with Board Games FM, powered by Theology of Games. I wanted to get the ball rolling on this Wednesday morning with some dice rolling, which is what I did last night when I went to my game group and played Folklore The Affliction. This is a game by Greenbrier Games, and it is a kind of hybrid RPG board game thing, I suppose, kind of like Descent, but um, dungeon crawling, lots of story to this one, and the first edition recently went uh, was mailed out to backers, and then almost immediately they launched the second edition on Kickstarter. And so I said, hey, after I play this, I'll let people know what I think about it to see if they want to back it. And it is a mixed bag. We played the first kind of introductory story yesterday that walks you through some of the mechanisms and some fights and stuff like that. It was very tense. We nearly died a number of times and um, nearly became werewolves. One of Two of our characters had to roll um, a couple of times to almost become werewolves and... Uh, they came within one pip of becoming a werewolf. So not sure how that would have affected things completely. I think there's some good and some bad with that. But um, one of the interesting things about this game is if you die, your character becomes a ghost and they continue fighting with you until you can get to town and somebody can hire a priest or something to bring you back from the dead. But, um, but you still get to play. It's not player elimination. So you get to be a ghost and they even have, it came with ghost miniatures. It looks really cool. Um, so anyway, it's a lot of dice chucking. One of the things that I didn't like was that, uh, there aren't really ways to mitigate the dice that much. It's just kind of you're rolling against uh, the bad guy's defense, and if you don't roll high enough to hit break through his defense, okay, sorry, next person's turn. And that happened multiple um, turns where my character was a slayer, and I was like so excited, oh, I'm going to go in there and kick some butt. My slayer stunk. She could not roll to save her life, and there's not much you can do to change that. It's just Oh, I'm rolling on a, uh, a D100 and uh, didn't do it. Didn't do it. Oh, I did it. Okay, I roll a D4 for damage. One, one damage. Okay. It was kind of frustrating. So you have to like a lot of randomness with your with your dice rolling. Um, the other thing that isn't great is that it doesn't scale well. There's no mechanism in the game for two players. It's just way harder for them to, to fight because the monsters are, are a, they're a little weaker, but it's just it's not good. And so um, four, four players you need at least, and that's how many we had, so we were okay, but it's kind of weird that it doesn't um, scale well. One of the biggest strange things was the health trackers. So each enemy will have um, a card with an arrow, and you take these other little cards and you spin them, and, and run them down the length to, to mark the health of them. But if you accidentally hit it, you just are like, oh no, there were three monsters I was tracking on this card and I bumped it and now I have no idea what their hit points were unless you happen to remember. It's not good. So, and that's, it's also that way on characters. So the guy that owned the game, he went to Etsy and bought these little um, vacuum form uh, holders and D10s to keep track of things. But it's like, oh, this should not be. This should have just been standard with the game. So I know I've been bagging on a lot. But the storytelling in this, Descent is, a, is light on story, heavy on um, fighting. 
this is, there's definitely some fighting in this, but also the story elements were really cool. It was well told and there are lots of decisions to be made. So you can come to a point and it says, Hey, this farmer needs help. And if he helps, he might give you a shortcut through here. So you can decide, no, we're just going to move on and not risk our lives for this, whatever's going on with this farmer, or we're going to not do that, or we're going to um, help him out. And the, the book was full of these little decisions that you'd make. And then after you'd make that decision, you'd read a passage. And so it could affect things. And then later on, it might affect a fight or a story. It was really cool. So all that to say, Affliction is a mixed bag. You can get the base game on Kickstarter for 60, the base and the expansion for 115, and then the base expansion and miniatures for 150. So I can talk more about it, but that's it in a nutshell. It's a mixed bag. If you like story-driven RPGs, check it out. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Board Games FM. I'm Jeremiah Isley, and as always, we are powered by TheologyofGames.com. I want to bring up a topic today that is kind of a hot topic and has been for a while, and I've got an opinion on it that I think may not be completely popular with some folks, but I'm going to share it and I really want to hear everyone else's thoughts because I think there are a lot of valid thoughts on this topic. The topic is, and I I totally stole this, somebody posted this in one of the many Facebook groups that I'm in that have to do with board games, so I, I would credit that person if I remember who it was, but I saw it like a day or two ago and I barely remembered that I wanted to share this topic, so there's that. Um, the topic is, do you hold it against or are, does it upset you when you see a Kickstarter game in a retail space before the backers have received their copies? And I'll take it one step further. Does it upset you when folks can buy said game that was kickstarted, but Kickstarter backers cannot pick up their game at a convention or especially at conventions. I've seen it happen multiple times where a game is on sale and you people will walk up to somebody and say, oh, hey, can I pick up my Kickstarter copy? And the publisher has to say, no, you cannot because it's on its way. It's being shipped. It's in our fulfillment center. It's whatever. There's, there's a lot of schools of thought on this and... Um, <clears throat> The most common one is is that that's a crap practice, that it's bad business. You can't have these people back this game and then not give it to them before other people can buy it and things like that. Now, I, I, I understand all of those arguments, but I have a couple thoughts that are sort of contrarian to those ideals. One is I'm totally fine with it because for a couple of reasons. One is many of these publishers who are kickstarting games are smaller publishers. They've only got maybe a handful of titles. Maybe it's their first or second title. And they have spent great amounts of money, travel expenses, booth registration, uh, promotional materials, booth supplies, booth setups, all of that stuff costs a lot of money and for them to show up without their newest latest title to sell is kind of handcuffing them financially so it doesn't give them a fair shake at making some cash at this convention or whatever 
The second thing that I want to bring to light is is that as a backer of a game, of a Kickstarter, yes, maybe you do want to be the first one to get the game. You want to get the stretch goals, things like that. But most importantly, the idea is, is that you backed that game because you think it's so good, it needs to be in the marketplace. You believe in that game, so you backed it, you pledged for it, and you said, I'm giving my money to make sure that this game gets into the the community. It gets into the industry. It, it makes it to market. And hey, good job. It was successful. You did that. Now, I know it may not seem fair that you didn't get your copy right away or other people can get theirs first, but you helped that game become a reality. You helped that publisher do what they wanted to do, and that was take an idea, turn it into a game, and then turn it into a product that can be sold and traded on the free market. So I think... I. I, I understand people want to get things first. That's why people go to midnight showings of movies and things like that. And they stand in line all day to buy the new game console before anybody else. I get all of that. But I think Kickstarter is a little more than just me first, me first, first in line. I think Kickstarter is more about backing the idea and the concept and getting behind that so that it makes it to market. Let me know what you think. Call in here on the Anchor app. Tweet at us at Theology of Games. Find us on all the socials or email us at theologyofgames.com. I'm Jeremiah Isley. I'm out of time. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Board Games FM, powered by Theology of Games. This is AJ continuing the conversation on Kickstarter games and who gets them first. Now, I agree about 75% with Jeremiah and disagree excuse me, not 75%, that was way off. I agree about 25% with Jeremiah and disagree about 75%. And um, here's my thoughts on it. And I've backed some games recently. Um, So I feel like the backer should most definitely get the game first. I feel as though it's a pre-order. You have had the intuition and the insight to support this game and to see this vision fall into creation. And so, just like anything, when you pre-order something, you get the first available of it. When it comes into America off those boats, it better be coming to you first because you've already paid for it. It can't be going to brick and mortar stores where they're paying for it, you know, little by little or, or when it gets here, when it gets, you know, off the boat, the game company decides to say, hey, we've got some, you want some? And not give it to their backers first? I just don't think so. Now, convention is a different story. Here's where I agree with Jeremiah. If you're a, if you're a game distributor and that's your new hot ticket item, yeah, you've got to sell it at your convention. But you better hope that your um, distributing center is getting those uh, packages out to the backers. That better be the process has better be there is what I think. So yeah, I agree. If you're at a convention, you need to be able to sell your game there. And it, it's a bummer for backers that can't just pick it up there. But, you know, they've already paid shipping, so it'd be, it, it's ridiculous to try and do that. Um, in any case, I feel as though the backer should get it first. Now, I'll play devil's advocate here a little bit. I stand that the backer should get it first. But I do also think that sometimes a lot of these people backing the games, not everybody, a lot of them are millennials. And I'm a millennial myself, so I can talk about us. Now, I mean, Jeremiah, he's a baby boomer. Scott's a Gen Xer, so they might have different feels on this. But I know the millennials, we're the give it to me now. We want it now. We're entitled. 
there's that buzzword entitlement, but we feel like we should have it now. I, maybe that, maybe that's just my thing of being a millennial. I feel like we should have it now. But, uh, so that could be the case and maybe we ought to be a little more patient, but I stand firm on my belief. That was the devil's advocate side. I think the backers get it now. It's a pre-order. They get it first. Um, but we want to hear what you think. I just rambled in this one. I didn't really think it out. I am so sorry for that. And uh, hopefully my next broadcast will be a lot better. That's my two cents. Take it or leave it. Catch you later.